right. Well, praise God. Thank you. Thanks, Juan. Hey, welcome to Highlight Church. Uh, let's give it up for our first-time guest again. Thank you. Praise the Lord. And uh, we're starting a brand new series today entitled Maximum Capacity. And um, how many are excited for a brand new series? You stoked? Okay, good, good. All right, cool. So about 11 months ago, uh, December of 2017, uh, the Lord laid this series on my heart. And um, I said, all right, God, we're going we're gonna to roll with it. We're going to go with it. And um, around this time of the year, uh, every year, as long as, you know, I'm alive and I'm the, the lead pastor of Highlight Church, we're going we're gonna to enter into a season like this where we prepare our hearts to give, to be generous. And so this series was birthed in my heart last December during our Genius of Generosity series. And uh, how many, man. The church was like half the size last year. How many of you, show of hands, you were here for Genius of Generosity? Okay, cool. But well, like I said, about half of you. And um, yeah, he spoke to me. So the word maximum means as much as possible. Uh, capacity means the most that can be held. Maximum, as much as possible. Capacity, the most that can be held. And so what we want to do is during this season, I would say over the next four weeks, I typically don't give you how long a series is going to be, but I'll, I'll give you the length of this one because I, I want you here every week. I honestly do believe that this series is going to be a game changer for you as well as for myself. And so we want to prepare our hearts. Maximum capacity is this. It, it, it's pretty much saying that we trust God with all that we have. Trust leads to transformation. We trust God with all that we have. So uh, maximum being everything, capacity being uh, what you can hold or what you do hold. And so what we want to do is we want to trust him with everything. Uh, personally, for me, having walked with Jesus Christ for 12 years, um, you know, I believe that Jesus was the son of God and he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross for my sins, and he rose on the third day, and then he went to heaven 40 days later. I believe all that. I believe I'm going to heaven. But it's been a process of growing in my trust, um, as with any relationship. And so I've learned to trust God with my life, every, everything, my life and my marriage, um, my parenting, uh, even my children as they get older, they're changing, and it's like, man, I, I can't be a father to Jaziel uh, now that he's about to be 10, the way I was a father to him when he was three. So I have to change, and I have to trust that his maturity is, is going to be good at the end of the day. And so I'm learning to trust God with my children, trusting God with this church. Um, and all of the vision that he's, he's given me and being able to see the potential that we, we have as a church collectively, but also understanding that I got to trust God with the process, that it's going to take time. <laughs> Jesus is going to take time. That's been the greatest revelation that God has given me recently. It hasn't been the big vision. The big vision is great, but the Bible says that a dream deferred uh, produces a sick heart. You're just always dreaming big, right? Great series, great, great talk, but it's like, I haven't gotten it yet. And so the greatest revelation God has given me as of late uh, has had to do with timing and seasons and finding peace in process, trusting God with the process. If I had to be more specific, I'd say an area that has certainly transformed my life is trusting God in the area of my finances, in the area of my finances. So a lot of you are like, well, this is my first time and I knew it. This church has lights, it has TVs, and there's a young punk with ripped jeans holding the mic. Thanks for inviting me, but I'll see ya. I'll see ya. I'm gonna talk about money. And so, but before we uh, allow you to go, close the doors, ushers. Um, we ask that you would just sit here 
for a minute and, and uh, open your heart. Open your heart, and, and we're going to get through it. Um, even next week, man, I just want to kind of bait you a little bit. Next week, we're going to share some biblical principles about budgeting and having a vision and certain mindsets that we carry that prevent us from stepping into the fullness of God in the area of our finances um, that we're going to deal with. Now, you, you do have two kinds of gospels. One, on one side, you have what's called the prosperity gospel, which is essentially a theology that says if you give, God's going to give 10 times or a million times more, right? Like if you give $100 today, there's going to be a, a bend in your parking lot or your dream home is just going to kind of show up outside and you're going to have to pick it up and take it to the land that you want to plot it in, right? No, that's the prosperity gospel. You give, God will give 10, 10 back or whatever. But on the other extreme is the poverty gospel that says unless you're poor, you're not a child of God. You got to struggle. You have to, uh, you know, you, you got to be kind of bent out of shape and sacrifice everything and move into a cave and be poor and, and worship God. That doesn't make sense because it is contrary to the great commission that Jesus gave us to go into all of the world. And in order to go into all of the world, you need resource. And so while we got the prosperity gospel and the poverty gospel, I like to stay balanced in the middle and say that I am a blessing preacher. I believe that God wants you to be blessed in the area of your finances. And we can trust the character of God and the principles of God. Given time and process, we can live in margin. You understand? Oh, okay. All right. Cool. All right. So I just want to kind of make, put that out there that, um, you know, this series is going to be about trusting God. I love Jeremiah 17, verse 7 through 8. It says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord. The word there, blessed, is in Hebrew, markyrios, and it means happy. Happy are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. So happy are those who trust God with everything that they have. They are like trees planted along, planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Because my, my trust is in God. My trust. And many of you have heard Pastor Kyron I's story, and I'll be sharing it throughout the weeks in different angles, and it's going to be good because even God revealed some different things. When we were on government assistance and welfare, we still trusted. And I think there's, this, there's a connection between your influence and your calling and your purpose. When you trust God with the only thing that Jesus compared to God, and that was money. If you read Matthew 6, there's one thing that Jesus compared to God, money. Because Jesus understood the position that it holds in our hearts. So trust is about the heart. So this series isn't about what we can get from you. It's about what we want for you. And so we learned when, when I was bringing in $500 every other week, $1,000 a month, a family of four, we still gave 100 At that time, it was 11%. We still gave, whatever that math is, over $100 a month. Because we were trusting him, and we wanted to see the hand of God. And this is the result of it. They don't get worried about drought, and it says this, their leaves stay green. And they never stop producing fruit. What I, there was frustration in that season, but hindsight is twenty twenty. When I look back, God was doing something greater in us that was preparing us for today. He was doing something, something in our character. And uh, he was building peace and trust and joy where it truly mattered. And so with that being said, trust leads to transformation within us 
and in the lives of those that we're ultimately called to impact. Yeah, fruit. So I, I remember uh, it, was, it was December um, 16th, 2000, no, December 17th, 2017. The series last year was uh, The Genius of Generosity. On the 17th, we, we took an offering our, over and above our normal giving, our tithe, and we're going to do that this year, uh, December 16th, 2018. So just start preparing your hearts now. What was interesting about last year was that I thought that uh, the 17th, that this place was going to be empty. But, um, you know, if you take away about three rows, that's about how big we were. It was packed house. And I'm like, man, they're, they're ready to step out. And so we, we took the offering, and I announced it about two weeks later. <laughs> you know, at, at this time in our, in our church, the average giving on a Sunday was right under $3,000 a Sunday. And since then, it, it's doubled. Praise God. On that one Sunday, and I, I think I have the, it here, the gift of generosity offering in 2017, here it is, we can show it, was $13,065.88 on one Sunday. The interesting part about that is that on one Sunday, that one Sunday by itself was more than any one month in the entire year last year. And so hence birth maximum capacity. Because I went home and I'm like, the capacity is there. But on this offering Sunday, we saw the trust match the capacity. And, and because of it, it we, when we were in 2017, around the same season, we were averaging about 110 people. This church has more than doubled in 11 months, um, we're about 120 salvations, over 60 baptisms. We've given out more money to outreach. Trust transformation. Light groups and um, the praise reports that continue to roll in. The community that is being built. People are writing down dreams and God is revealing his purpose to them in marriages and pregnancies that people have struggled to get pregnant and, and, and people fresh out of divorces are finding brand new uh, spouses and just life change. People are reconsidering uh, their school and their finances and their relationships and just got and, and marriages that were struggling are now doing better. Transformation has occurred simply because a group of about 100 people just trusted God last year. And transformation has doubled or tripled. So I just thought about it. I'm like, 13 grand. And I looked at January, it was like six grand. And February was like four. I'm like, shut this church down. I think around November, I, I, could, be, I could be telling a fib. I'm sorry. It was 10 months, all but one month. November was 14 grand. And then this Sunday, uh, that particular Sunday, I said, the capacity is there. We just got to continue to grow in the trust. I'm not going to leave you hanging. Uh, we're going to teach, okay? Let's go to a story. I want to go to Mark chapter 12, uh, verse 41. Per usual, we got to start with Jesus. He's the standard. He's the judge. He is the greatest. And uh, Mark 12, verse 41 says this. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. So this tells me, number one, that heaven takes an account of our giving. Jesus is being very intentional. He's not just sitting there, but he is watching the offering. And it says this here, many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Other translation says two copper coins. I'll teach that in a second. Two lepta. And I'll tell you what the value of those leptas were. Jesus called his disciples to him. He said, come on. Come on. Let me put y'all up on game because I want to teach y'all something real quick. He always used illustrations. And you probably even probably see where that's about to go. But um, I tell you the truth, he said, let me. 
I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. They gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything. She's, what is he saying? She's maxed out on what she can give. They, they have surplus, but they, they gave a tiny portion of their surplus um, to live on. All right? So number one in this day, y'all ready to, to, to learn a little something? Is it okay if I teach a little bit? This is not going to be a preachy series. Is that okay? I plan to slow it down and massage it and, and make sure we're, we're on the same page and we understand. Um, the widow in this day has no husband. In Jesus' time, the widow's husband would have been the main source of income. Uh, she also has no inheritance. If her husband had an inheritance and he passed away, it did not go to the wife. This was a very male-centered society. Um, if she had children, she would have held the inheritance for a male child. So she would have just been a, a protector of it and held it. So she has no husband, no income, no inheritance. We don't know much about this widow that Jesus is talking about, but we can ascertain from the story that she has no children. So she doesn't have any male adult children to provide for. She could even, even be a young widow. We don't know. We just know that she's a poor widow. Now, the word poor in the Greek in which the New Testament, the original language of the New Testament, that they translated what Jesus said, the, the word poor, this poor widow, means beggarly. So her life has been reduced to begging. So every morning that she wakes up, she is 100% dependent upon the generosity of others to provide her needs. And so she's, she's begging. And so whatever she's giving, giving God is, is ultimately come from the hands of other people who are generous. And for whatever reason, she's coming to the temple and she's trusting God. And I love it. In light of her socioeconomic status, Jesus makes an observation of the status of her heart. Wow. You got to catch that. In light of her socioeconomic status, Jesus doesn't see the amount. He sees the heart. Yep. And also, he sees the heart of those who have surplus. I remember uh, when, when Judah was born, um, there were four people that I trusted with my child B because Judah is our second child and he's my first biological. And so I'm like, this is my first one. Some of us are like real late back with our children. I'm like super um, protective. And so even to this day, if you were at um, uh, Thanksgiving with me, uh, I wasn't fellowshipping too much because I'm following Judah everywhere. I'm going upstairs and I'm Judah, Judah, Judah. My, li my life revolves around that child. Um, and I'm currently talking to my wife about some other arrangements so I can get my focus off of him. And I'd like a girl, but if I have a girl, that'd be scary. That'd be real scary. Lord, the way I, anyway. So I, I trusted four people with my child. Me, my wife, my mom, my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law was shaky because she's all over the place. But if you help my child, you need to sit down somewhere, okay? Like, I don't know how y'all let me hold that child. Baby dedication, I'd have been like, I got this, Pastor. You just lay a hand on him. Um, at any rate, this was 2015. We had transitioned out of our previous church. We were in this gap year of preparing to start Highlight Church. And it was to the point where I'm like, Babe, you can go to church, but I'm not going to go to church because I don't do nursery ministries. I'll keep my baby. Or I'll sit outside, and if it's at a big church, they usually have screens outside. I'll sit in the overflow. You go in and enjoy the worship experience, or vice versa. This particular uh, occasion, we were heading out of town to a church that we absolutely love and look up to. And I'm like, Judah, you're getting older. 
And so we went, and I said, I, I can't miss this. We traveled this far, and I, I, I want to go worship God. I want to hear the word of God. And so for the first time, Judah was nine months old. It took me nine months to entrust Judah over to a ministry, to a church. And if you have a uh, month-and-a-half, two-month-old baby and you've trusted them with us, God bless you. They're in the best well-trained hands in the world. We promise they're world-class grade A. Thank you for trusting us. And so the reason I trusted this church is because they were good for it. They, they were known for caring for the baby and cuddling the baby. And they had a nap area in their room for the baby. They had the right music and they had the right smell and the ambiance and the atmosphere was perfect. So they were known for doing children well. And when we got our baby out of the kids ministry, they had this thank you for letting us change him sticker on his diaper and we just fell in love with this church. <laughs> they were good for it. And I get the idea that this woman is bringing all that she has to the temple in which the temple in the Old Testament was the place where when, when it was time to worship God, the spirit of God would descend from heaven and settle in the holy of holies and the presence of God would be there. So you bring your offering to the house of God. And so I, I get this idea that she was trusting God with all she had because she knew how good God was even though she didn't have much. She understood that God is my supplier. God is my healer. God is the lover of my soul. God is my peace. God is my joy. God, is my, God feeds me. God protects me. God shelters me. God clothes me. So I'm going to trust him with everything because he is a good God. And so Jesus makes the observation about the status of her heart. And even in Hebrews 11, it tells us that it is faith and trust that pleases God. So this is why Jesus is moved, and he's more impressed with her than he is the rich people. The widow trusts because God is good. But before she has to, before she learns to trust him with everything, I get the idea that she first trusts him with a portion, because trust has to build. And she trusts him with the portion that belongs to him. So we see a few things here that we can learn from the widow as we grow in the capacity of our trust. Number one, she returns the tithe. She returns the tithe. The word tithe here is first tenth. And back in Jesus' day, it was the best portion of the harvest. So we have coins, but another form of money in the days of Jesus was grain, wheat, whatever form of harvest. And whenever your first harvest came, you would go out and you would take 10% of that harvest. Modern day, your harvest is your paycheck. And it's 10%. So she returned the tithe. And this is, this is a, a principle in scripture. God even made it a law so that we could be blessed. And he says this here in Deuteronomy 14, 23, the living Bible. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. The tithe, the 10%. I, I love it because um, for seven years since we were friends, Pastor Kyra and I have been practicing this. But we definitely got on the same page with this when we got married. So even now today, we get paid every other week. The first thing I'll do when I turn over and grab my phone before I get on Instagram, because I'm guilty of it too. But when it's a Friday, the first thing I do is I reach for my phone and, and I see how much we got paid and I just dial it on in. I, I calculate it. And I transfer that over to the church, the house of God. And I'll tell you why. Well, the second thing she understood is that before I can trust him with it all, I'm going to trust him with his. Why? Because the tithe belongs to God. Did we get that verse up, that Deuteronomy verse? We saw it. The tithe belongs to God. She understood that. So if I have 100 $100 bills, the top 10 belong to God. 
So you notice the language in the first point. She returned it to God. So if I give you my car, Damien, and you come and you say, hey, hey, I'm going to let you hold this car. I'm going to look at you funny. I'm going to say, you're not going to let me hold what's mine. The first 10%, the first 10 belongs to God. And she understood that. And so Leviticus 27.30 says this, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. I don't know about you, but I don't want to hold anything that belongs to God. He can do more with my 90% than I can with my 100 Chances are I'm going to go to Starbucks, I'm going to shop, and I'm going to eat it up anyway. I want to put it where it belongs, the tithe. The tithe belongs to God. Another thing she understood about the tithe is that the tithe is not a law. So if you've, if you've been in church or you've been raised in church, maybe you've been taught that we don't have to tithe because the tithe is the law of Moses. And I want to, I want to set the record straight. Moses put the tithe in the law to safeguard your blessing. So the law is an instruction, which essentially at the root, the law is a principle. And if we trust the character of God, and if God is a loving God, he will father us and lead us according to his character and his principles. I love my children, but, but I, there's a principle Stay out of the road when there are cars driving across the road. Wait to cross when the cars clear out. Well, that's not right. You're just trying to hold me back. That's a law. You're trying to tell me what to do. We're saved by grace, but through Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the law. We can do whatever we want to do. I don't have to tithe. I can just give with a cheerful heart whatever I want to give. The problem with that is that we miss the full blessing of trusting and entering into the principle. This is a principle of blessing that spans human history. It goes way back to the time of Adam and Eve with Cain and Abel. Well, okay. Oh, show me, Pastor. All right, cool. Genesis 4, 3 through 5a. When it was time for the harvest, watch this. Look at the language. Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Cain presented what? Some. Verse 4, Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the what? Oh, man, y'all ain't, y'all ain't excited enough. We're trying to get you blessed. So we're going to say this together, church. All right, here we go. So when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented. All right. Abel also brought a gift, the of the. So we see here that Cain is a farmer, in which a few years prior to this, God cursed the ground because of the sin of their parents. It's not a sin that he's working the ground. We need the harvest. But he's missing the principle of blessing by saying, okay, the harvest has come. Let me go to Amazon. Let me go to the mall. We got to hit this vacation. We got to hit this and this. And can I just, little, no, no feather in my cap, but I, I just want to say this. I love you and I respect you. Y- you got to respect the fact that I'm even talking about this. You got to respect it. Because churches will will dance around two things that we as humans, if you don't want it now, you will eventually want the most. Oh, we want to put on our church faces now. I I didn't move here to play games. Two things that we want the most. And since we have children in here, I won't say it. But so, so Cain went and did all these things. And by day nine, after getting paid, it's like that next Tuesday, he's like, Oh, well, let me just put something in the offering plate. Abel, his brother, oh, 
This lamb is born. He's a shepherd. So we're going to do a series one day called Types and Shadows. Jesus is revealed in all 66 books of the Bible. Okay? So Abel is a type of Christ because he's a shepherd. Jesus came on the scene. He said, I am the good shepherd. So Abel is showing us how Jesus would act in this scenario. This is why Jesus is making this observation. Because Abel is, is this widow is in a sense being like Jesus would be. And so Abel says, man, this first lamb is born. Let me go and give it to the Lord. It's a principle that spans human history. It's the reason why your hot water heater won't break. It's the reason why your car is holding up. It's the reason why certain doors are opening, or it's the reason why certain doors are not opening. It's the reason why every time you get a little margin, it gets evaporated by situations. Because uh, Malachi teaches that, um, get, bring the tithe to the storehouse. If not, you're under a curse. And when you bring the tithe to the storehouse, I will protect you from the devourer. So some of you are seeing the sustaining hand of God because you've been honoring this principle. I didn't finish the verse, but here it is. It says this. It says, and the Lord accepted Abel in his gift, but he did not accept Cain in his gift. And essentially, you know the story. Cain became jealous and he killed his brother. And can I just tell you this here? You can't be too young to practice this principle. I shared last week about John D. Rockefeller, the richest American to ever live. Bill Gates needs to be five times as rich to equal his net worth. Uh, Rockefeller would be worth $340 billion today, but he was a man of the tithe. His first job he got, his mom, he brought home a, a, a it wasn't a check, it was money, $1.50. He brought it to his mom. True story. You can, you can research it all. John Rockefeller, oil, oil tycoon. And his mom said, son, because they were devout, they loved Jesus. His mom said, son, take 15 cent of this 150, put it in the offering plate at church. And history records that he never missed a tithe. And he built churches and he built schools and he poured hundreds of millions of dollars into scientific research. He started Hampton University, uh, not Hampton, I'm sorry, um, the, the, the University for, for Women and Spelman University. His, his, his wife's name was Spelman before they got married. Spelman University in Georgia because he honored the tithe. Good. Don't withhold what belongs to God. Yeah. God, will, God will honor it. We'll talk about that here a little later. And he says this here. Um, the other thing about the tithe is that it's obviously supported by Jesus. Matthew 23, 23 says this. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? They were strict about the tithe. Hypocrites, for you, here he is again. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Jesus, you should tithe. So for, you, for us who have been taught that we don't have to tithe because we're saved by grace and Jesus has fulfilled the law, even Jesus himself said you should tithe. But don't neglect these other aspects. What is he saying? He's saying make tithing a part of your faith journey. Thus he supports this claim. <clears throat> this is interesting. It says that the widow gave two small copper coins. Are you still with me? Yeah. We're going to lighten up because I'm going to get practical. I'm going to tell some stories and want to show you something in a second. Then we'll be going home. A denarii in this day was a day's wage. Two copper coins, a denarii, a day's wage. Minimum wage right now in Maryland is $10.10. So let's just go down. Let's round it down. $10 an hour, eight-hour shift. That's uh, before taxes gross. That's $80 a day. That's 80 bucks a day. Two lepta. If you do the math and you, you translate lepta or these two copper coins to modern day, um, those lepta were worth one cent of today's money. One cent of today's money. 
And so this widow, in essence, was bringing one cent to God. Who's catching this today? Um, I know this one's heavy, but it's good. It's going to be a great series, I promise. I promise. She gave more than those who gave a thousand. She gave more than those who gave 10,000. One cent, Jesus. He said she gave more. She, she gave more than all the others. And I do want to, I, I want to affirm you with this. There are good reasons not to trust God. That's a point today. There are good reasons not to trust God. I remember um, it was, it was um, May of 2016. We were, we were packing our boxes to move to Gaithersburg uh, to start the process of, of beginning Highlight Church. And we put that final box on our yellow Penske truck. And uh, we came back in the house. Jay had got home, and Judah was there. And Judah wasn't there. Judah was safe. Jay had got home, and um, all of my nieces and nephews were there, mother-in-law. And we put that last box in so that we could go back into the house and and say bye to our family and my mother-in-law. And I mean, just, just tears of sorrow. And you don't have to move. And why are you doing this? And please don't leave us. And just, just tears of pain. Enough to make me feel that, man, I'm, I'm really a bad father. For taking my wife and my children away from their grandparents, from everyone that they know and everyone that they love. It's a good reason. Not, and, and I don't know if this thing is going to work. I don't know if anyone's going to come to this church. I don't know if this is a great, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to marry Ash and Jen because I don't even know Ash and Jen. I don't know Juan who's shooting videos. I I don't know all of you great people, Kelly and Marcus Blair. I don't don't even know what's there. It's it's enough reason not to trust God. And then we, we put in our pink slips. I put mine in in April and Pastor Kyra put hers in in the middle of May, right before we moved, and we didn't know when the next paycheck was going to come, and, and, and we were going to be moving in with Megan and this stranger girl. Her name is Becca Minatra. She's coming from Williston, North Dakota. I don't know her like that. Is she even going to uphold her part of the rent? It was enough not to trust God. I don't even know if I'm going to uh, 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 dedicate Portillo and, and the Riveras. I don't, I don't know if they go even have children. I, I don't know these things. It's, we have a lot of reasons not to trust God. And so in, in, in the New Testament, since Christ is in heaven, she is bringing her offering to the temple. Paul teaches us in Corinthians that the temple is now us. He says to the church in Corinth, he says, don't you know that you are the temple of God because the spirit of God now resides in you. And so how do we give to God in modern day? Well, we give to God through the local church. That's how it happens. They brought it to the temple. We are the modern day temple. And let me just tell you there, that's enough not to trust God. And we've all heard the stories of what the pastors do with money and how pastors are living lavish but they got poor people in their church struggling. Maybe it's a tight financial situation. Uh, Maybe you have plans. We're going to talk about that next. You need to have a vision for your finances so that you don't, oh, Jesus. The Bible says that um, those that don't have a vision um, run without constraint. So because you don't have a vision, you just spend, spend, spend. Right? So, like, you need to have a vision. But maybe you have a vision, so it's like, I can't give God this because I'm saving up for this. Right? So there are plenty of reasons not to trust God. What I want to encourage you with is this. Is that I am so grateful for those of you who do give faithfully. And, and you have, many of you, for over two years now. And because of your faithful giving... The board in which I preside over as president of this church, we've said in our budget that we don't spend every dollar that comes into this church. 
we spend 90% of every dollar so that we can leave 10% margin. And we're, we're, in, we're in great margin now, given the way that this church started. So, so this is what I want to say, just real talk. Jesus, we'll get back to you. Real talk right here. Give somewhere. It doesn't have to be Highlight Church. Honor the principle so you can be blessed. We don't need your money. We, the vision was given to me from heaven, so God's going to get the resource through the right people who have the right heart. But my thing to you as a pastor who may not even know you, but I love you enough to show you the principle, find a local church whose vision you can trust and, and where you do see the margin and where you do see the difference in the city and give there. Don't give here, but if God is calling you to give here, give here. I, I'm too afraid of God. There are good reasons not to trust God. But watch this. If you're taking notes, none of those reasons are good, capital E, enough not to trust God. I'll say that again if you're taking notes. There are good reasons not to trust God. We just mentioned them all. Pastors that are poor with money, your vision, you, can't, you don't got room, you're struggling. But according to what Jesus, the observation that Jesus is making with this widow, they're not good, capital E, enough not to trust God. One cent a day. How in the world is she eating? And she understood this, that God honors our trust. <laughs> I remember uh, it was the, the end of September 2016. We're about three weeks out from starting the church. And it was Pastor Kyra, myself, and Chris, your creative director, we were sitting on my yellow couch. If you've ever been over our house, you know the yellow couch. And um, there was 15000 God honors our trust. There was $15,000 in our checking account. And we are three weeks out from starting the church, and we have to make, like, four big purchases. And I'm looking at the faithfulness of our people for two years. And I'm like, wow. So, so number one, all this sound stuff um it was going to cost us eight grand and, and, and oh man when i get through with this story hopefully you're blessed um everything in kids ministry it's like 1500 everything everything and then i'm gonna tie that around at the end and tell you like yeah so i'm sitting on this couch and i'm like you remember chris you wherever you are you remember because in like four swoops, it's all going to be gone. From 15 grand to two grand, it was gone in like four clicks. And we're like, well, it ought to be delivered. Two weeks, we'll start the church, and we'll see. We started it, and, um, you know, 120 people came our first Sunday. 90% of those were family and friends, obviously. <laughs> Week two, 43 people, kids and adults showed up. I'm like, yeah, you know, my auntie came to me right here. I remember our first service. She came in, here's, here's a check, baby. Thing, you're doing so good. God bless you. <laughs> Open that thing. Oh, come on, auntie, $1,000. Yeah. Week two, $993. Monty gave more <laughs> than the 40 people that came. And um, so we spent 13000 to start the church. So not, not counting in uh, October 2016 to December. That's not a fiscal year. From January to December of 2017, we brought in a final offering of 2017, $113,000. So we started with 13000 brought in 113000 Every dollar that you give, 10% goes to outreach. When I did the calculations at the end of 2017, we gave right over $13,000. So we gave at 11.6%, 1.6% over our 10% goal, which is great. 
So we paid 13, brought in 113, gave 13, and the generosity, the gift of generosity offering was 13. And I, I can't sit here and say, I, I, and I didn't. It was a great sermon. I'm going to preach the same sermon in a couple weeks. It's going to be about how the three wise men brought the gifts, and I'm going to show you what all those gifts are worth. And we're gonna, I'm going to even tell you what it is. I'm going to say, do you want to advance the kingdom or do you want to maintain? I'm going to just say it right now. And you're going to come up and bring your offering, right? Just, I'm just let you know what it's going to be. But, all right, that's good. But this, I didn't tell y'all last year, hey, guys, uh, we got, 13, we'll be at 113, and I just need y'all to bring 13. That was only God honoring our trust. Honoring our trust. We can't make that up. And and you, you you can't paint, you can't illustrate, you can't draw up how God is gonna honor your trust. Let let him be the determination. We've seen him honor it through salvations, through community. Uh, He's more than double this church, and it's only been the hand of God. And so, so this represents our resource. This is what Jesus was was telling the disciples. This represents our resource. With all that margin, Chris, I need a, 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 a mic so I can do this. Anyway, that new margin. So anyway, this represents our resource. And this represents the capacity of our trust that God desires. This is the widow. This is much of us, in which I'm guilty of it too. I have been in times past. This is the resource, this is the capacity of our trust. And, and so Jesus said that, that she gave more. Now, is this more than that? But God God is saying, I'm thirsty for trust. I'm thirsty for trust. And he'd rather have the small glass that's filled with big trust and a desire to get the gospel out and to change lives and to serve a city and to change a region than You give me the big glass that's not full of trust and that gives begrudgingly and that doesn't want to give and that worries. He'd rather have this. And so what we can identify as we close out here is that that the value of your giving is found in the spirit that it is given. And the value is also determined, watch this, by the cost of the giver. Has nothing left. Didn't cost him a lot. So it's not as much the amount as much as it is, am I giving at the capacity of the amount that I I can give? And at the very least, have I started with what belongs to God? Not 2% to the church, 5% to American Cross. God will take it, but he can't honor it because it's not his character. Maximum capacity is what God is looking for. Jason, you can close me out here.
And so, as I said prior, on December 16th, 2018, you, you don't, and you don't have to wait until then, but we want to give you an opportunity as a church to practice trust. Practice trust. We're going to bring above and beyond our normal giving. But you can start today. You can start today trusting God and watching him move. Next week, we're going to show you some principles and of, of investment, kingdom investment, how God blesses it. 10% of every dollar we, we, we bring in goes to supporting the mentally ill, uh, teenage substance abusers, women and children fleeing domestic violence. Last year as a church, we were able to adopt uh, 17 families and over 65 kids for Christmas. This year, we're on track to adopting 35 to 40 families and over 70 kids. And so um, we want to trust God with everything we have because trust leads to transformation. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We honor you. We glorify you. God, we give you all the praise, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to trust you, not just with our finances, but with our lives. Lord, even now, I pray for those who don't know you, who need salvation, who need forgiveness. Jesus, you died on a cross for them. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, this morning can be your morning. And on the count of three, I just want to ask that you would raise your hand. If you want to make him your savior and make heaven your home, raise that hand. We want to pray for you and pray with you as a church. On the count of three, if you're coming to Christ, one, two, three. Raise that hand high. God bless you. You can put that hand down. God bless you. Come on, church, let's celebrate. A salvation on a giving message. Trust. Trust. Let's pray together, church. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus is your son. I repent of my sin. Fill my heart with your spirit. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, church.